You're listening to City Church Long Beach Sermons. Visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. Uh, good to be here. I'm Bill White. I'm the other pastor here at City Church. and It's good to gather this day with all of us. Today we're, we're going to look towards this idea of comfort uh, in the scriptures. We've been in this series about plot twists uh, in the book of Isaiah, which is one of the prophets in the Old Testament. And there's this plot twist, really, that, that happens, which is in the midst of difficulty, hardship, suffering, loss, that there's actually some goodness to be found. And the, the difficulty I find in talking about this is um, what uh, a, a friend who's new to City Church a couple weeks ago, I said, uh, she came to City Church her first time maybe a, a month ago. And I said, oh my gosh, it was so great having you there. And, you know, what was it like for you to come back to church? Why are you here? And she said, well, I really liked it because you didn't just give in to the toxic positivity of most Christian churches. And I love that phrase, right? The toxic positivity. Uh, because so often that's what we do is, as Christians, we sort of wash over anything negative and pretend it doesn't matter. And that's not honoring for those who've suffered and for the hardships and the losses and the oppression that's going on in the world. And so, you know, as I talk to, to folks here around City Church and in our neighborhood, I find a lot of people who are just really tired of bad answers to good questions. People who are really tired of our doubts being dismissed and our depression being sanitized. And we're just plain tired of naming racism only to have it minimized of having our anger at oppression being judged as unholy, right? And hearing our radical welcome being belittled as wishy-washy. Oh, you're just wishy-washy because you let anyone in. And that's not even to mention how tired we all are of this crazy pandemic, the losses, the grief, the financial stress and strain and worry about health and money, the online school and the online dating and the online isolation. And it's like, these things are real and we actually need some comfort that doesn't just wipe those away. So without denying the sadness of the season, we come today for comfort. Brenna Rubio and I, we were taking a walk, a socially distanced walk uh, through uh, one of the neighborhoods this week and talking about this. And, you know, I was just sharing, it's like, man, it just feels like it's been a hard season. People need comfort, but how do we, how do we come at comfort without just denying reality? of the, the sadness. And she said, she said this great line. I said, write that down and send it to me right now. 
She said, well, what if instead of the God of hard work and fast answers, we could actually connect with the God of patience and comfort? Right? Instead of just like, well, just work harder, everything will be fine. Or, hey, just take this answer and you'll be good. No, there's a God of patience and comfort. And yes, life is messy. And let's see if we can find that God today. So to help us do that, um, we are going to read scripture today. Uh, Amy Chow, are you, can you unmute Amy wherever you are? Hi. Hi, Amy. Thanks so much for reading to us today. Your uh, scripture's on the screen here. If you want to read that for us, this comes from uh, Isaiah uh, uh, and it's message of hope. So. The Lord will surely comfort Zion and will look with compassion on all her ruins. He will make her deserts like Eden, her wastelands like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her. Thanksgiving and the sound of singing. Listen to me, my people. Hear me, my nation. Instruction will go out from me. My justice will become a light to the nations. My righteousness draws near speedily. My salvation is on the way, and my arm will bring justice to the nations. Isaiah 51, verse 3 to 5. People of God, this is the word of God. Thanks, thanks be, be to God. God. Yeah, hey, thanks so much, Amy. Uh, this is such a great topic, I think, and it's, it can be hard. It's hard to approach this. You know, I was thinking about... Um, kind of a daily occurrence in my life these days. Uh, my part of the bedtime routine with my youngest children. Uh, my spouse gets them all ready, does the story time and the teeth brushing, you know, all that kind of good stuff. And then that's while I'm like doing dishes and stuff. And then I come in once they're all kind of ready and tucked into bed um, to do uh, what is supposed to be like a gratitude practice and prayer, you know, and a hug and a kiss and tuck them in, right? And so the gratitude practice is really simple because they're young, it's just a name. Hey, what was your favorite part of the day? And it's so funny because for one of these two children, the gratitude practice is easy. And they just like, yeah, you know, like chicken nuggets for dinner, right? You know, because we're really fancy around here. Um, whatever it is, like they can just kind of boom, boom. Oh, and I've got another one and I've got another one. And then my other child's, is basically like, wait a minute, mom. Do you remember that ouchie I got on my toe? Like, let's make sure we pay some attention to that. And do you remember when my toy broke? Man, that was sad. You're asking me to name happy things, mom? Like we gotta pay attention to all of the, the horrible things that happened in my day first, slow down. And it's like, that's where we have to start. She needs a little bit of time to process the junk before she can get to the good stuff. And I actually think that's what we see in this passage too. There's this sense of, okay, hold a minute. Let's actually name reality together. So in verse three, it says, the Lord will surely comfort Zion and will look with compassion on all her ruins. Let's name reality. Jerusalem is in ruins. Jerusalem has been 
occupy Jerusalem has fallen. And if we actually let ourselves think about, like, don't just see that it's not just words on a page, but as a human reality, people have been displaced. People have been terrorized. People have lost loved ones. They've lost certainty and a sense of just safety and security in their world. They're oppressed. They're no longer free and, and kind of any sort of illusion that they control their own destiny. That's been taken away. There are oppressors ruling over them now. And in the middle of this, can you imagine the questions that it's bringing up for them? Does God see? Is God here? Does God care? That one word ruins. Just the fact that we name that, it matters, right? We don't need comfort unless something has happened. There's a line uh, that is repeated over and over in the Psalms, which is one of those books in the Bible that for some of us, we may, we may go to for comfort often or just for a place to, to help us express our emotions. And so there's this one line that's repeated, I think something like nine or 10 times in the Psalms. We see it, for instance, in Psalm 42, and it says, why are you so downcast, oh my soul? And when I was younger, I think I read that as sort of like a judgy sort of line, like suck it up. Why are you so downcast, right? But now I think that I'm older, I'm like, I think it's a legitimate question. Like that word ruins, it's an, it's an invitation to say, okay, what is going on inside of me? Why am I upset? Why am I sad? Why do I find myself clenching my shoulders and my teeth all the time these days? Why am I so quick to cry right now? What's going on inside of my soul? Can I name my ruins? And we see it over and over again in this passage. Um, we see the word ruins, deserts, wastelands. Isaiah's not being shy in naming, hey, it's hard. Let's look at it before we rush to the good stuff. Let's name the ouchies. Let's take some time. Because where there are ruins, as the poet Rumi says, there's actually hope for treasure. Bill? So good. So good. Got to name those ouchies. Uh, I would like to invite, we're going to hear some stories today. Um, and so, Kendra, you, if you want to unmute, are you there somewhere, Kendra? Hi, yep. Oh, hey, thanks. Um, as Brenda and I were talking about this idea of comfort and how to find comfort without dismissing the ouchies, we realized one of the best ways to do that is to hear stories, to hear from real people. Because if you just hear truths, like, well, God is still with you, then it can almost feel, it can feel judgy, right? It can feel um, harsh. But when we hear from real people, then all of a sudden, you realize, yeah, that, that's how life is. 
and they seem to be able to hold both. So Kendra Yu is our first story today. Um, uh, Kendra, how long have you been around City Church and what do you do for a living? Where, how do you spend your hours more or less? Just real quick. I think we have been at City Church for like two years now, maybe. And then I am a psychologist. There you go. Uh, yeah, she's uh, she's like an old timer around City Church. <laughs> Two whole years—that's a long time for City Church. So, uh, but and and tell us just a little bit about your practice because it's super cool. What kind of where, where do you work and what kind of patients? I work at the Guidance Center here in Long Beach. Long Beach is a child and family community mental health center, so it's like all families that are on Medi-Cal. Yeah, it's a super great group and uh, just doing great work there in the city. So just appreciate you. So, so tell us this last year, have there been a few challenges for you? I mean, you're a psychologist, so I assume you're all mentally healthy and balanced at all times. Um, yes. yes. I always say that no one normal becomes a therapist because who thinks it's a good idea to listen to people's problems every day? Only people that are like kind of messed up themselves. Um, so yeah, it has been a really challenging year. Um, I actually got married on Friday, March 13th, which was maybe our like signal that things were, that was really the day that things kind of, shut down um, and we were very very grateful to be able to have our wedding because we know that a lot of people haven't been able to but I was really look as much as I loved our wedding I was also really looking forward to kind of like going back to normal life not having to spend the weekends thinking about all of the details being able to hang out with people and that has not been the case obviously um so yeah working from home and i'm kind of hybrid i'm in the office sometimes but mostly working from home and doing what i do over zoom is really hard i think kind of the rewarding parts are that the connection and being able to like see people and interact with people. And so that has been really challenging for sure. And then, I mean, I think, you know, like living, learning to live together during your first year of marriage and work together in the same space, we're really getting a good taste of for better and for worse. Uh, it's really awesome to be able to like have lunch together, but then it's also like, we're doing a lot right here too. So. And no friend, I mean, you can't really go out with your friends. So it's just like you and your spouse and that's it. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so emotionally, have there been some lows over this last year? A lot. I think in the beginning, especially, it was just really hard. And I mean, I think we all had a ton of anxiety about what's going on. What does this mean? But I think still, even this week on Thursday, I was just kind of like, huh, I like don't want to, I don't want to be on Zoom today. I don't want to be working from home. So yeah, definitely it has been depressing at times and like feeling disconnected from people and just feeling like everything is harder and takes up more emotional, mental energy to have to think through. How do we do these things in a safe way? Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, you and I were talking a little bit this week about it. And uh, I thought it might be helpful for people to hear like, so one of your go-tos for 
comfort seems to be the television or like <laughs> or screens. Is this true? Yes. So yes. So we have watched a lot of TV, and I was telling you, Bill, that sometimes it just looks like staying in bed and scrolling on my phone. You were like, for how long? I was like, well, maybe like three hours sometimes. Um, you know, on a weekday, it might be an hour and a half, but just kind of like feeling exhausted. Um, so yeah. And this is what, I, and I hear this from so many people, like this is what depression and isolation looks like, is you wake up and you literally stay in your pajamas and you doom scroll for three hours. Like, that's a desert. That's a wasteland. You know, and I mean, I totally get it um, because it's been such a hard, hard year uh, for so many people. Um, so tell me a little bit, where have you found, has there been some comfort, some joy, some hope, um, maybe in some small ways or maybe in bigger ways? Uh, if you could share a story or, or a, a snippet of what that might look like for you this year. Definitely. Yeah, I think there has still been a lot of joy and comfort in all of this too. And my husband, he says the two things that I get most excited about are pastries and naps. Um, so we have taken a lot of trips just to go to our favorite bakeries, pick something up and then walk around somewhere or bring it back home. So I think in a lot of like just kind of the little moments of enjoying something, connecting those kinds of things. Um, yeah, I just, I just want to pause there and church, I, it is very easy for us to dismiss, um, things like pastries, but let's just go ahead and name pastries as a sign of God's goodness. Uh, this is what the poet talks about where there are ruins, there's hope for a treasure, right? This is when it, when, when the Isaiah that we just read talks about, you know, I'm going to turn your deserts into a Garden of Eden. You know what's in the Garden of Eden? Pastries, right? I mean, let's be honest, right? It's a sign of goodness. Uh, and naps. So it, it's really beautiful. Thanks for, um, I mean, it's simple, but pastries and naps and, and walks with your spouse and like those, those have been a gift to you. And that's one of the places you found comfort. I appreciate your sharing, Kendra. Thanks for being with us this morning. Thanks, Bill. Yeah, right. It's just such a good picture of what what comfort and hardship looks like. It's there's no denial, you know, of losing your motivation, losing your emotional energy, and watching TV for eight hours straight on a Saturday. Right, that happens, and yet getting out with a loved one, having a treat connecting again, taking a nap and resting. Um, that's, it's, it's actually what we need. Um, there's a sense of awareness and we're, we're not alone. Um, yeah, it's what we really need. And when, when the scripture talks about the deserts, the wastelands, the ruins, all of those that came up in Isaiah uh, 51 or 53, 
there's a sense in which Eden never came to Israel. It never came. And the complete fullness of life has not come yet for Kendra, you. And it hasn't come for me, and it hasn't come for the rest of us. But there's this sense of hope that, that is, is present. There's a hint of heaven in the, in the now. And that's what Isaiah is talking about. Isaiah is trying to help people realize, no, there's still goodness now and hope for a different future. And as I talk with some of you who are working really hard for, for racial equity, you know, I, I got connected, you know, I, was, I was in touch today with one of our city church folks who's working to make sure that vaccine distribution in Long Beach reaches communities of color at an equitable rate. And I just thought, that's incredible. Here she is in, in the midst of a pandemic, plenty of challenges herself, and yet, She's participating with Jesus in making her deserts a Garden of Eden. Uh, I wanted to invite another friend to share uh, her story. Uh, Isabel Portillo, are you, uh, are you out there somewhere? I'm here. Ah, hey, Isabel. Um, Isabel, how long have you been around City Church, and, and what do you do to, to fill your days? Um, I've been around for about a month, I think. Ah, so kind of a long timer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am a, uh, I'm an instructor for adults getting their um, high school education. So that's how I fill my days. Wow. Super cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for being with us today. So. Um, tell us a little bit about you. Um, tell us a little bit about some of the hardships that you faced um, over this last year. And, um, and then we'll get to the comfort there in a minute. But, but just talk to us. What have been some of the challenges? Um, well, just uh, to give a little bit of backstory. So um, I came out to my family, I would say maybe a few months before before uh, COVID happened, um, before the the quarantine, and um, they're very uh, traditional, <laughs> and uh, they obviously did did not like that. So I was uh, kicked out of my home for a little while. Um, then I was invited to come back. Um, but um, it, it just wasn't comfortable anymore. Um, my parents weren't really speaking to me. They, they weren't, we weren't talking about any issues. They just kind of wanted to pretend it, it wasn't a thing. It wasn't there. Um, so I would say a, a couple months before COVID, I had moved out with my girlfriend. We decided to make this decision just because we both just couldn't be in our homes it just was not it wasn't an ideal situation and um so we were renting a room in someone's home in corona at the time and um when covid hit um 
it just, it, it got really hard because, you know, I was renting a room in someone's home. I wasn't comfortable walking out of the room. I didn't want to really spend time in the, in the living room. Um, she also, um, for her job, she would, she cooks like keto food, which is great, but she was always in the kitchen. So I just felt like it wasn't a, like, I didn't feel comfortable making food for myself. And so I just literally felt stuck like in my room. And so when COVID hit, it was even worse. Like I wasn't going out for work. I, everything was, was in the room. It got really hard. Um, I was a terrible person to be around. Um, it just was a lot on my mental health. I think I, I got really irritated for things that normally wouldn't irritate me. It just, it was not, it was not good, but, um, yeah. So I would say that that was like the hardest on me, just, you know, there was no, like out for me, everything was there in my four walls. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think there are a lot of us who can relate to the comment. I became a terrible person to be around. Right. I mean, I <laughs> like okay, you know. Thanks for describing my life. Um, yeah. Um. So. When you and I talked this week, uh, we talked a little bit about your spiritual journey, or maybe I guess I was I guess I was for maybe a month ago when you first came. You and I talked a little bit about that, um, and you shared some you know growing up in the church, and then you left the church, uh, and for for good reason. Uh, it, and I feel like that plays into when we're going to turn around and actually get to a little bit of comfort. I want to help have people understand a little bit, like, why was that hard for you? So can you just share a little bit about that story? I was thinking particularly about the one, and you said it was okay to, to ask this, but about the, the your experience, because you wanted to even to go to Bible college, right? Yeah, I did. Um, that was about seven years ago. <clears throat> I... Um... I went to a Bible school for a little bit in, um, it's in La Puente, kind of city of industry area. And um, when I was there, it was the first time I had ever um, explored something with another woman, the first time I ever had feelings like that. And, um, you know, you grow up hearing that it's not okay, it's not right, that's not, that's not how it's supposed to be. So, obviously I couldn't share that with anyone there. And so I turned to a journal at the time I used to love journaling. And um, because of the nature of that, like I would carry that journal with me everywhere. And uh, to class, to, to uh, chapel, to literally everywhere. Um, but one day I just, I decided to leave it in my little, um, bookshelf that I had there at the dorm. And, um, I had a roommate who, you know, I have no idea why to this day, but, uh, she decided to go, um, through my stuff and she found my notebook and she found those pages and she took photos of them and, uh, turned them into the office. Um, yeah, I, uh, I got called in and, uh, well, to give a little backstory on that as well, at, before that happened, um, I was also, um, 
meeting up with a um, women's pastor that was there at the school. And um, I asked her if she would mentor me because I just felt like I wanted to know more. Um, and I felt like I just needed more guidance. So we were meeting a couple times a week. We were talking about life. I was sharing her, sharing with her um, things that I've been through. I wanted to get to a place where I could share what I was feeling currently with her. Um, but again, I know how they view things. And so I wasn't gonna just, you know, straight up jump to it. I, I was waiting and sharing and opening up my heart to her um, before I could get to that place. And um, I found out in, in the meeting, once those photos were turned in, that they were turned into her and she submitted them to the, to the office because they showed me the email, they showed me printed copies of everything. And um, she, well, that day they told me I could no longer be there. Um, they told me that it is a school who gets people ready for ministry and I am not ready for ministry. And, um, and uh, my mentor never spoke to me again. She never mentioned anything. She never said, well, it was great knowing you or even like, I'm disappointed, like, nothing. Um, yeah, it's still hard to think about uh, more than anything. I think that's what's the hardest is um, I just poured so much of my heart into that. I know I couldn't, I wasn't honest. I couldn't be, you know, but um, I, I just felt like I was dropped. Like I was nothing, like I meant nothing. And so, yeah. Isabel, oh my gosh. That is so sad. I mean, I, I mean, I just, our hearts are going out to you that, I mean, to be dragged in, no conversation, no care, to lose your mentor. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it, it's like Jesus was standing there saying, hey, uh, yeah, I, I see you, I'm with you. And everyone picking up stones and throwing them anyway. So we're, uh, we're with you. We're with you. And, uh, and it's just not right. Um, and it makes sense that you decided to take a little time off from church from God. I mean, I don't, I don't know what that's like, but I mean, all that plays into kind of this last year. And now, now you decided to come back. What a, what a courageous thing to do. Such a courageous thing to do. Um, tell us, uh, why would you do that? Why, why would you come back to church? What, and what, and what has it been like? I mean, this is the real stuff, right? Well, I just, for a long time, I just, I didn't, I didn't want to hear anything. I didn't want to deal with it. I just kind of wanted to live the life I wanted to live. Um, but I know God is real. And so I just, one day I just was like, what am I doing? I'm not dealing with this. I'm not thinking about it. I'm not 
do I believe God loves me? Do I believe he's real? Like, I'm not, I just was in a, like a, I don't know what the word is, almost like a daze when it comes to like God, like I'm not, it just was not dealing with it. And so I just, I just felt like it wasn't God's nature to just kind of remove me. And so I was like, I need to deal with this. And I went on a search, I went online. Um, and I, I don't know much about the theology when it comes to like um, being affirming and LGBTQ, but I'm like, I know there's people out there, I, I wanna find them. And so I went on a search and um, I went to gaychurch.org and uh, I went on, went on a church search and was looking everywhere and uh i found city church um kind of towards the end of it and uh i looked up the website i was like they have a nice website that's literally what first kind of drew me in and uh and so i looked you guys up and i was like i'm i'm gonna go and i'm gonna see and yeah and then you showed up <laughs> yeah um yeah, thank you, Michael Asmus, for a nice website. Um, <laughs> um, and so what, I mean, I'm, so we're not pretending like, oh, and now everything's fine because everything's not fine, right? And your tears are really real. And when you, when you finish sort of sharing here, make sure you go back through the chat and you'll just see so much love um, and so much heartache because you're sharing some stories that others are really relating to. But look at you. I mean, you're this radiant person. Like, look at your smile. I was telling Brenna Rubio this morning, I was like, Isabel's just the best because she's not afraid to name the, the depths and the brokenness, but she just has this joyfulness. Like, where, where are one or two places that you've experienced some comfort? Uh, and what, what's that been like? Yeah, so, well, first, as far as the, the journal, uh, I could not touch a journal for a long time and I, I still can't. Um, it's still hard, it scares me. Um, and I feel silly saying that, but it's still- oh. <laughs> <laughs> that, we, we bless you, we honor your, your distaste for journaling. Um, but what I have done is I have picked up um, um, planners. And so I've really gotten into planning and it's kind of like my foot in the door. And I write, even if I already did something, I write it in the journal on the date that I did it. I do the stickers. I, I do all of it. Yes. Yeah. It's been, it's been really fun. Um, so I, that has uh, been a comfort to me just because I used to love journaling. Um, hey, let, let's pause here. People, are you listening to this? This is pastries in the desert it's it's what do you call it? it's a kind of journal what kind of journal is it called again that people use if there's a name for it um, uh, yeah, that you're doing the, the, oh, oh, the planner yeah the planner oh, okay all right but but this is pastries in the desert right it's hints of heaven it's part of the healing journey right it's so great i love it all right anyway, keep going keep going um, and then the second thing I do, so when I just was kind of going crazy in my room, um, when, when I was renting a room in Corona, 
Um, I, I don't like to exercise, <laughs> but um, I was like, I need to get out. So we started going on walks and just like taking in the fresh air. And uh, more recently um, I got a puppy and cause I, I still struggle to get outside and go for walks, but getting a puppy, um, well, obviously first it's a puppy who doesn't love puppies, but it forces me to get out of the house as well and go for some walks and, and yeah, and get some fresh air. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's just super beautiful, your story and just the fact that you're here and you're talking, you're part of a community that you're, that you're open to God in, in some new ways, or at least trying to reconnect like this is, this is what it looks like um, for there to be a treasure in the ruins. Uh, and we're just, we're super honored by you and your story and being with us today. So thank you so much. Thanks, Isabel. And make sure you read the chat because there's some wonderful things there. Absolutely. Yeah. And Isabel, I'm just so grateful. I mean, I just think as you're talking, I just kept thinking, this is what it looks like to somehow hold that tension to live in the both and of like, here are the hard things like in, and to, to totally feel our way through them and to not give up. You know, and to say, and, and maybe there's something else too. Maybe healing's possible. Maybe comfort is possible. And, and I think that's what we see in this passage in Isaiah is this sense of let's hold them both. Let's have sort of a double perspective on the world. In verse four, it says, God will make her deserts like Eden, her wastelands like the garden of the Lord. There's this sense of like, okay, here is what is right now with all of its messiness, all of its brokenness. It's a desert. It's a wasteland. And here's the hope of the future. Here's what can be. It can be restored. It can be beautiful again. Maybe even as we look at this desert, we look at this wasteland, we can start to see a hint of the beauty that has been and will come again. We can get a hint of what renewal might look like. And, and don't we need that? I mean, just, just to keep going. We need that. We need something to hope for. You know, when, for instance, a group of people has this project and they want to um, buy a house so that families who are kind of on the brink will have a fresh start and you try again and again and again and again and nothing works out. If you don't have some sort of hope, if we just keep pushing, if we just keep we just hold on. We just keep taking the steps. God will make it happen. Without that hope, you just stop, right? And I've talked with actually several friends over this last week or two who are, they're involved in Black Lives Matters movements in their workplace, and they're trying to make a difference, you know, whether it's at a nonprofit or in a school system. And if you're gonna 
keep doing that work. And you're going to keep having the meetings and the hard conversations, even though there's pushback. Even though people ask questions that just feel silly and discouraging sometimes, man, you're going to have to have some, some hope, right? That what you're doing could actually, it could actually make a difference. There could actually be change. There could actually be healing. Brian Stevenson at the Equal Justice Initiative puts it this way, injustice persists where hopelessness prevails. So if we want to actually work for justice, if we want justice to win the day, this isn't just about our personal lives, right? It is about our personal lives, but it's not just about them. It's about how we do community. It's about how we how we want to see the whole world restored at its root, it's going to have to be about hope. And so somehow, even while we acknowledge the ouchies, we get to, to see the hints of what is to come. And we just say, yeah. Sometimes it's gonna look like pastries and naps. Sometimes it's gonna be the stickers that we put in our planners, the good walks that we take. In Psalm 42, they name it as God and, and yet I think it is those simple things as well. Put your hope in God because God is the one who directs his love towards you at night, gives you that comfort as you sleep, as you nap. And he's the one who directs his love to you by day. In all of those simple, simple little goodnesses, getting a hug from someone, a call on the phone, the text that helps you know that someone's thinking of you, the meal on your table. How are we looking? for where God's comfort is coming, all the different ways, community, beauty, man, it's everywhere, but it does take, it takes some intentionality to look. Bill? Yeah, so we wanna close with one final story. And this is sort of, you know, you thought Kendra and Isabel were good, but we have a secret ace in the hole, all right? Um, Holly Chow, are you available? Can you unmute yourself? Yeah. Hey, how are you doing today? Good. Yeah, what'd you have for breakfast? I have waffles. Waffles? Really? Did you put anything on the waffles? Uh, syrup, maple syrup. Yeah, maple syrup, just so you know, a lot of people don't know this, but maple syrup is one of God's best inventions. <laughs> like the best. It's not like that fake syrup that they sometimes give you. You know, like if you go out to breakfast or something, they don't put the good stuff. Maple syrup is the real deal, right? It's uh, it's a little bit of the Garden of Eden. Um, so, Holly, tell me this. Um, it seems like at the begin, like a year ago or so, at the beginning of the pandemic, I remember just being in touch with your. I lose the mom, but it seems like it was kind of a hard time. Is that is that true? Oh, hey, Robert. Um, is it true that like a year ago was kind of tricky, kind of hard, a little sad in your family? Do you remember that or not really? 
Uh, yes. Yeah. What, what do you remember about it? And you may not remember anything, and that's fine, too. I, I don't know what you're I doing. do remember it. Yeah? What, what do you remember? Um, a lot of fighting with my brother. Ah, fighting with the brother. Yes, 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 yes. Um, and my understanding is that there was some sadness in the family, and that sometimes what happens when there's some sadness in the family that the kids pick up on that. And they experience some sadness. Um, and so sometimes there's a little bit more fighting. Uh, you know, of course, that's never happened in my family. <laughs> um, but, um, but when I was talking with you, you know, there are a couple of things that strike me. You just are such a, how, do you know, how can you be so happy all the time? Do you know, like, I'm not sure. Do you like eat donuts every day or something? No, I don't eat donuts. You don't eat donuts and you're still happy? <laughs> um, tell me about this. Tell me, like, have there been one or two good things about this past year? Um, how about school? My mom, my mom um, learned how to make sourdough bread and, and we bought a new tent for me and my brother. Okay, so hold on. Uh, these are huge. Let's stop here for a second. Sourdough bread. Does that mean you eat a lot of sourdough bread? Yes. Mm. And how does it taste? Good. Do, what, what do you put on it? Mm, I usually don't like putting anything on it, but but we usually do we put like cream cheese or um, almond butter on it. Okay, and now let's move to the tent because this is important. Tell me about the tent. What, what do you do with it? What do you do with the tent? The tent? Oh, we have to build it. You have to build the tent. Yeah, you have to build the tent. Okay, and have you tried that yet? What? Have you tried building the tent yet? Yes, we build a lot of tents. <laughs> a lot. We build a lot of tents. And what do you do with the tent? So, 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 so there's these balls and this stick. You have to like build it by putting them together. Oh, I see. I see. And do you make forts? I, yeah, we, um, have, we put covers on top. But we just use sticks and balls and then put cover on top. That's it. All right. This is fantastic, Holly. This is fantastic. You, you have this resilience. You know what that word means? It's kind of a big, crazy word. Do you, are you familiar with the word resilience? What? Resilience. Resilience. Resilience means you're, you're tough and strong in a really happy, positive way. Like you just... You keep smiling. Every time I see you, you're smiling. And you don't even eat donuts. But you love tents and sourdough bread. Um, I've seen you be so kind to your brother and your sister. It's really amazing. And I think in some ways, Holly, you are the hope for our future. You show us that, um, that there's simple things in life that we can hold on to as signs of God's favor. And when I, 
when I hear from, from your parents, I hear that uh, you guys, you and your brother and your sister are a real gift to them. And you're, you're part of what has made this year good for them. And so I just want to say, as, as, as your pastor and your church, we're proud of you. We think you're awesome. And, and I hope that someday you'll, you'll try donuts because they're, they're good, too. You want to tell them why you don't eat donuts? Um, I don't eat donuts because of my allergies. Oh, okay. Well, then it's okay. Then we'll, we'll let that one slide. Just go back to the maple syrup. My mom does make bagels, though. That's from the Lord as well. So One of the main reasons why I started baking at home. Ah, perfect. Perfect. That's cool. Thanks, Amy. Thanks, Holly. And thanks just for, for your hopefulness. Uh, I think everybody could see that today. So you're the best. I'll turn it back to you, Brenda, just to wrap up. Um, yeah, guys, this has been so simple, but just this is, this is the real picture, right, of what it means to hold this tension. So yeah. And you get to name it in what order, ever order you want. For some of us, it's easier to say like, yeah, I can just name the good things. I'm so grateful. And for some of us, we actually need to take a little time first before we can get to those kind of like, okay, where is the good? Where is the hope? Man, the step that we may be missing, we may need to just kind of take that slowing down, just like one of my children and say, okay, what are, where are the, where are the, the ouchy places? Why is my soul so downcast? So wherever you are today, the invitation is open. Do you need to take some time with the grief? Do you need to take some time looking for those hints of goodness, those moments of hope?